Welcome to A Friend of Mine, a series of conversations with some incredible and inspiring women in business from regional and rural Australia. I'm Kimberly Finesse, your host and the founder and editor of Oak Magazine, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some amazing female entrepreneurs who will share with you their experience and knowledge of what it takes to start, grow and scale a successful business. So let me introduce you to a friend of mine. Like many expectant mums, Sophie Doyle was struggling to find the perfect nappy bag. Rather than settle, Sophie took the matter into her own hands by sketching a vision of the ultimate bag and having it made in Bali. It wasn't long before her friends wanted that same stylish and versatile nappy bag. And so, in 2016, Alf the Label was born. What started out as a hobby with an initial run of 50 bags has quickly scaled into a million dollar business with a customer base that stretches across the globe. Sophie shares with us her startup story, the challenges of running a business from Western Australia, managing a serious health issue, as well as her advice on the importance of branding. Meet my friend Sophie from ALF The Label. Hello and welcome, Sophie. Firstly, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your business to talk with me. I really do appreciate it. And especially um, the podcast is allowing me to speak to to women that are outside of Vic, New South Wales, which has primarily uh, been the print magazine. So I love that I can speak to you all the way over in Perth. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Now, you and your business, Elf the Label, are based in Perth. Uh, did you want to tell me what is the best thing about your city, your state, and how is the women in business scene over there? It's funny. There's a lot of amazing things about living in Perth, but there are also so many challenges, which I can probably touch on as well. Obviously, like you said before, isolation is a huge one. Perth is a, is a city that's obviously so far away from every other city in Australia. So although we do have, you know, incredible lifestyle here, we've got incredible beaches and the weather is beautiful most of the time. Um, everybody seems pretty happy to live in WA. Um, but from a business side of uh, things, we there are a lot of upsides in terms of things like warehousing costs are generally less. Um, and, you know, women in business in Perth seem to all kind of band together. You know, it's a pretty small community of business owners or entrepreneurs over here. So a lot of us have met at some point um, at an event or whatnot. Um, and then there's obviously the, the flip side of that, which is the challenges like postage costs, which are just extortionate from Western Australia, even just to get um, products over east. So I guess, you know, it's, it's two sides of the coin. I love it. I absolutely love living in Perth and I don't know that I would move, um, but it also does pre- you know, give us a lot of challenges which we have to work through. Yeah, most certainly, especially postage. Do you pass that cost on to your client or your customer? Because I know Ozpost have gone up recently, like at the start of the year. And, you know, how much do you absorb? We absorb quite a bit of it. Um, we do offer free shipping when you order like the pram straps, which you can buy with our bags. Um, and if that's the case, obviously, then we do absorb the entire shipping cost. Obviously, um, my product is a little bit different to a you know a fashion brand, for instance, with the volume that we're actually sending. Um, one of our larger bags, the Stella, for instance, which is our biggest bag, but it's around um, five cubic liters in volume, and that actually can cost up to forty three dollars to send across 
um, you know, to a regional location in Australia, let alone getting it international. So it obviously depends on what the weight is and what the volume is. And Ozpost um, have worked with us to try and get the most cost-effective um, way of getting our goods over east, but it is incredibly cost prohibitive. Um, and, you know, people do expect free shipping these days and I would love to be able to provide it on everything, but just due to the, the, the cost, just a small business just can't absorb that at this point. Now, you did launch Elf the Label in sort of October 2016, so just over three years ago now, um, from your kitchen table. So like so many other amazing uh, women in business, and, and one that comes straight to mind is Samantha Wills, um, can you take me back to those early days and, and how you actually started your business? Yep. Um, well, it's really nice to be compared to Samantha Wills. I really do admire her as a business um, leader, so that's really lovely. But um, yes, yeah, so I definitely did start from, well, my, what was it? My coffee table in my back lounge room, I guess technically it was. Um, but yeah, so I was on maternity leave with my daughter, Ari, who is now four and a bit, um, when I sort of had the idea for the business and really started working on it. It did take around just over a year to really get to a point where um, the business had actually launched and was, you know, actually the website was operating and I had something to sell. Um, but yeah, like a, a lot of other sort of mumpreneurs, I had an idea based on the fact that I couldn't find anything that I liked in the market um, for a baby bag. And so I had designed uh, pieces of clothing for myself and I'd actually had a few handbags made previously um, on holidays when I've been over to Asia a few times. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and make my own um, because I didn't see anything that I liked. And I thought I wanted something that was going to last me through motherhood and then be able to use it potentially as a work bag or an overnight bag or something later down the track. Um, and so I had a bag made for myself and then I got back and people started seeing it and um, naturally kind of as a new mum, you around other new mums and they were all asking where I'd got it from and whether it was a baby bag, et cetera, et cetera. So I, then I kind of thought, well, maybe there is actually a business in this and I had had a few people asking me, can I get them one made? So I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot um, and then the sort of idea and the business started rolling on from there. What's your background before Alpha Label? Like what were you doing prior to that? And was there any skills that you've been able to transfer over into running your own business? Yeah, absolutely. I um, studied marketing and PR and have worked in agency and in corporate um, marketing and PR, I guess, for a number of years. I think it's probably would it be nearly 15 years now? I'm trying to think how old I am. Um, yeah, I started my career in marketing in a marketing agency in Dubai, actually, uh, when I was, well, how old was I? 19. Um, so it does go back a long way. And I guess, obviously, with an Instagram-based business, which um, we started out as, marketing is absolutely the key to success in that area is trying to build an audience and then being able to communicate effectively with that audience. So I've definitely found that my um, prior, like my prior career has helped me immensely. When I see 
your label on Instagram, whether it's um, the feed, stories or IGTV or then Facebook or email, website, YouTube, Pinterest, you name it. I know it is Elf the label. Like it is so well branded. Um, is, is that sort of what's come from your background in marketing, that importance of brand? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually uh, coach other small businesses in their branding as well. I'm really, really passionate about having everything consistent and cohesive and all of your marketing channels and touch customer touch points all talking to each other. And so exactly like you said, you could just see an image online and instantly you would know you'd be able to relate it back to that brand. I think that's really, really important especially with a lot of brands these days being online, uh, it's, it's a really, really important point to be able to connect with your audience in that way. Yeah, consistency across the board. Like how important is brand to a small business? I just feel that it's something that a lot are leaving until last. Like they sort of launch and think, oh, well, I don't really want to invest in that just yet. What are your thoughts and maybe tips on on branding? Yeah, absolutely. I actually think that the brand comes first and the product comes second in some in some aspects um if you have a really really strong brand you could literally sell a paper bag um because you have you've built an audience who actually just want to buy from you because it's the brand as opposed to the actual product that they're selling i mean you know apple is obviously a great example of an incredible brand where literally they could release anything and people would buy it because they they want to buy from that. Mm. And I mean, when we talk about brand, obviously I've got a marketing comms background as well. I know that brand is not just your logo and the colours and your font, is it? No, absolutely not. It's the way that you, it's the the way that you communicate with your audience, it's your language. It's like you said, it is the, the logo and the colours and all of those things, but it's also just the use of those um, key things and the consistency across all of your channels. So definitely worth investing though in terms of finding a graphic designer in their area rather than uh, going to Fiverr perhaps, so supporting another, you know, local uh, female-founded business. Absolutely. I think for small businesses um, who don't have a really strong brand already and, and, def- and you know, want to work on that, I always recommend Finding a graphic designer who obviously suits your style because I think one of the things with graphic design is it, that it really is a personal taste thing. I, not all graphic designers are the same. There's some that I personally will work with with our brand and there's some that I think are genuinely really great graphic designers but they're just, they just don't speak to me. You know, their style doesn't speak to me. So I think it's really important to find somebody um, who definitely you know, catches your eye with their work um, I do prefer to use somebody that you're able to, you know, talk to on the phone at least or, by, you know, um, everything can be online. I think it's, we do use graphic designers who are East Coast based, but we are actually able to communicate with them on the phone if we need to really chat through something. Um, you know, the, the online services where you just get them to, um, you know, generate a few logos and things like that. I don't know. I personally don't recommend them. I think if that's the only option that you've got, then that's fine. But I think it would be great to find somebody who, yeah, really sort of speaks to you and you you feel is like an extension of your own of your own brand. Um, and it does cost money to get somebody who is really good at that. And I think that's just one cost that, as a small business, 
you really need to try and work your way up to be able to pay somebody to do a really good job. And but my my main thing is that we we often get a few things done by a graphic designer, a few key elements of the branding um, look and feel, and then we take those and we use a program called Canva, which a lot of um, small businesses and probably big businesses these days use to generate different templates and we use those brand elements um, in other ways ourselves so that we don't have uh, the cost of a graphic designer full time. Yeah, Canva is absolutely amazing. And I think what floors me is that it was also founded by a female from Australia. Yep. That's right. So I've got four kids. I am way past nappy bags, Sophie. I don't want to ever see a nappy bag in my life. No offence. Uh, <laughs> and that's got nothing to do with nappy bags, okay? That's more just, yeah, four kids no, is I great. Feel right? <laughs> um, I follow you and have so for quite some time on Instagram. And then you now pop into my uh, inbox on a regular basis. Again, consistency and it's branded. Um and I'm not sick of you. Like, I love that you pop in my inbox Aww. as well. Like, email marketing is obviously something you guys have added to, uh, yeah, to your marketing. Yeah, was, uh, well, at the end of last year, and I guess it obviously takes quite a number of months to get uh, things, you know, humming with new programs and things, but we changed over from MailChimp to Clavio, which is uh, a much more uh, dynamic and intelligent um, email system than MailChimp. Now, MailChimp has its purpose and I have used that for, you know, the first three years of business and I thought it was great. Um, but we had got to the point where, like I said, I wanted to be able to personalize things and make people feel like they are actually seeing information that they really want to see. And, you know, even so much as their order confirmations and things like that, I wanted them to really say that it, you know, it was, it's part of our, you know, like you said, the, the brand needs to still speak to them in every touch point. Um, so we moved over to Clavio and it, like I said, it took quite a number of months to get it um, really cranking, but now it is, I couldn't recommend it more. It's quite a bit more expensive than MailChimp, um, but you can do so many more things. There's different flows that you can put in place that have certain triggers. You know, um, if somebody per- uh, hasn't purchased for a number of months, then you can send them a certain sort of email and, you, you know, you can personalize it down to only showing them content which uh, they haven't already purchased, products that they haven't already purchased and things like that because I don't, I don't want to be annoying to anybody. Um, and certainly not spammy because I am the first person to unsubscribe from a spammy email. Um, so I wanted a system which which really worked for me uh, and our business. And obviously we have a small team, so it needed to be something that wasn't going to take a really, really long time to be able to produce a nice-looking email. So I actually still do them myself as part of the marketing um, for the brand. So any email that goes out, you it, has been created by me apart from the automatic ones like um, obviously our order confirmation um, shipping emails and things like that uh, and yeah I'm really I'm really loving it it's a nice creative outlet <laughs> yeah hey I'm so interested that you've switched from MailChimp to the other one though because I mean if I don't know if you're in like-minded bitches drinking wine the massive Facebook mm-hmm. group there is now look yep. if you sift through some of that content uh, there is some you know, really um, good pieces of advice and that. But look, something that always comes up is, um, yeah, about email marketing uh, platforms and which one to use. I think, as you said, MailChimp's fantastic for an entry-level business that has under your 2K subscribers. Um, But yeah, I was really interested that 
that's where you've you've gone over there because I'd sort of heard pros and cons of both. So um, it's good to hear that it's working for you. It, it really is. There's another um, great platform which we were considering when we moved across to Clavio called Active Campaign, which I've heard really good things about as well. Heard that, yep. yep. Um, but for whatever reason, we chose Clavio and um, yeah, I've been really happy with it so far. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So what are we? We're about three years into business, just over three years. Uh, yep. How, like from the outside, it just looks like an overnight success, which of course it's not, I realise, but how quickly did your business scale? And I suppose, when do you know to move from your coffee table, like into the warehouse? So, well, like we said, I started from my home office um, and then it actually got to a point where I needed help. Like I had um, actually been made redundant from my previous job while I was on maternity leave, which Uh sounds awful, but the way that it happened actually wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I took a voluntary redundancy during that time. So, uh, because I felt like maybe it was the universe telling me that I needed to give this a shot full time because I had been actually... Um, we're doing our for the first two years of business as a side hustle on top of a full-time, part-time slash full-time job around my kids, um, which sounds as insane as it actually was. We were up until midnight, most nights packing orders. My husband used to have to help me because, you know, there was nobody else. And um, it got to a point where I had then decided that it was going to be my full-time gig. And then Instantly, I realized that actually I couldn't do everything by myself, that this was getting ridiculous. And so I um, brought on two, two amazing marketing girls um, part-time. And that was amazing, except that we were still at my house. And then we brought on a dispatch, Leo, who still works um, for me in customer service and dispatch. And we were all crowded into my back studio. We took up my back studio slash which was actually meant to be a lounge room turned it into a studio our spare room our massive storage cupboard that we had at home and underbed storage in my actual bedroom um because and then we had off-site storage as well and then three people sorry four including me working from my house and I just remember looking around one day when uh we had had a, a sale and Leah was trying to pack orders just in the most cramped environment and I just turned around and went this is ridiculous we've got to get out of here and so I immediately started looking for warehouse space and office space externally Um, and then we took on a lease about 10 minutes away from my home and we are still there now. Oh my god and it looks amazing. Now um, was it always your decision to do online only and not a bricks and mortar? Has there ever been a temptation to open a store? I've never been tempted to open a store per se, as in like an actual bricks and mortar out store. Um, but I have considered as to whether to work with stockers. It is still uh, in the plans for this year or next year to look into that again. Um, obviously, the dynamic changes in terms of the financials is financials of the business and things like that when you do start taking on stockers because obviously your margins fluctuate and the the way that you are actually ordering from manufacturers and suppliers changes as well. So it is something that I'm looking into. I definitely like the idea of being online and being exclusive to online because we're able to then control you know, where everything is being um, sent to and things like that. But at the same time, I do understand that our customers 
crave the ability to be able to come and see and touch and feel our products. So we have got a few things in the works uh, for the next sort of year and next year and or the rest of this year and next year, I should say, um, to try and overcome that. Uh, and whether that is stockers is still up in the air, but yeah, we're certainly looking into it. I never say never, but we do enjoy being an online business, I have to say. Um, what are some other important aspects for an online store for you? I think touching, uh, going back to what I said about trying to create a connection with your customer. Customer satisfaction comes from, again, having a connection with the brand. And, you know, even if there's a problem, being able to speak to a human uh, and feeling like you're actually being heard, or if you've got good feedback, being able to actually have somebody reply to that. You know, people will actually send us responses from uh, emails, which we send out you know, as part of our marketing materials, people will send us beautiful emails back from that just to say, thanks so much, I absolutely love my bag or I really love your brand, blah, blah, blah. And I will actually take the time to respond to that person individually. So I think that being able to create a connection with the customer, you can't be too, I'm, I'm a busy person, but I'm not too busy to be able to talk to the people that are actually making my business work you know without customers we're nothing that's definitely good to hear that you're not too busy for them what's been the biggest challenge you've faced and how did it help shape who you are today uh this is probably a personal um thing rather than a business related thing but so when i was 20 i um was living in thailand for a short time and went out into the jungle and got bitten by a whole bunch of mosquitoes and I went home that night and I woke up in the middle of the night and was extremely thirsty, couldn't drink enough water, literally would have drunk out of the toilet bowl if that was the only water available. Um, and it was a really weird, weird thing and I was drinking and um, going to the toilet every five minutes. Anyway, we actually came back to Perth that afternoon um, on a flight, which was um very, very lucky because I went straight to the doctors and about five weeks later, they diagnosed me with a very rare condition called diabetes insipidus, which is caused by a small tumor, brain tumor on my pituitary gland, uh, which was very technical, but inhibiting the secretion of antidiuretic hormone, if anybody is actually interested in that, uh, which is the hormone that makes you retain water. So now naturally my body doesn't retain any water whatsoever. And I have um, medication to help my body keep the water that I'm drinking in my body. So as you can imagine, that was a pretty big um, life change for me. Uh, they wanted to operate on the tumor pretty much immediately. But uh, funnily enough, it was right after Christmas and there were no surgeons available. Um, and so for whatever reason, they actually didn't um, operate. And they decided to just try and the medication and see how I went with just the medication and I went kind of okay. Uh, and so since then, I still have a brain tumor and now live taking this hormone replacement medication every day. Um, but the, the reason that I'm saying that this is probably the biggest challenge that has made me who I am is that it made me realize that not everything is as serious as you think it is. You know, I I'm one of those people that now I look at things on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being death, how serious is this problem? So something that I would have probably um, would have, uh, you know, got really upset over or um, not been able to move past prior to that or even, you know, these days if I didn't have this condition, I sit back and I go, actually, how serious is this? 
not that serious. Okay, just accept it and move on. And so it's really taught me to also be very grateful for every single day that you have on this earth because, I mean, I'm not, it's not a terminal condition, but it obviously has made me realize that you just need to be really grateful for your health and to perhaps not take everything so seriously. It's such a big story. So you're right, managing day-to-day in terms of medication and and lifestyle? Yeah. I mean, I've had um, a few issues recently where I don't really know what's going on, but my medication isn't performing the way that it used to, um, but my specialists are onto it. We're trying to figure out why that is, but it, it really is just trying to be flexible and a bit, a little bit patient with myself as well. Like I'm um, generally a lot more tired than other people potentially because I'm um, probably borderline dehydrated most of the time. Dehydration can do pretty awful things to your body. It, it can make you forget things. Um, when I'm really dehydrated, my short-term memory is quite bad. But then I have the flip side as well, which is quite dangerous for me personally, where if my medication starts to build up in my system, I can get what you call a low sodium. So your body starts to retain too much water and water starts collecting on your brain um, and you can get a bit sort of um, out of it. I I get to a point where I can barely even tell you what my name is sometimes. Um, And then I end up having to go to the hospital and basically just be monitored while my body just drains all the water that it's retaining out, which is not very glamorous. But And it, 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 that is actually quite dangerous for your body to, to do that because it can cause seizures or a stroke and things like that. Um, but I think because I've had it for so long, it almost seems like it, that's just a part of my life now. Oh, my God, Sophie, you really are incredible. And any regrets in in business yet, just in the three and a bit years? Probably my biggest regrets would be having started the business and not thinking about it with a long-term view. When I first started, it was a hobby. It was something that I thought was just going to be a fun little side hustle that wasn't going to take up a hell of a lot of time or, you know, um, it wasn't going to turn into this uh, fairly sizable um, business it is, that it is now. So probably my biggest regret is being a bit naive as a business owner. I'd not really run a business before. I'd obviously worked in corporate um, as an employee for other people running businesses, but uh, not looking for the future and setting up a, a website initially that was going to be able to scale with the company. And, and from a finance perspective, not um, having systems and processes in place that were managing the books um, really well from the first, you know, from day one. I think that's really important. I'm not personally, I'm not a finances person, so that area has always sort of terrified me slightly. Um, so, but I think it's really important that if you're not a finance person, to to outsource that as soon as possible, so that you can get things in place, so that you're not having to, you know, find receipts from two years ago, yeah, three years later. Yeah, you're talking to me there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's probably a, a lot of um, a lot of us have the same challenges. But I have, yeah, I'm. We've got an incredible accountant and book, um, bookkeeper accountant that we use now, who uh, I feel like they're the most important people in my entire business. Some days because I just couldn't do it myself. Yeah, I don't know if we can just drive it home even more and just tell people that are starting out. Your number one thing: get a bookkeeper right from the word go. Absolutely. And I think as well, like in the outset, when you are starting a business, paying a few hundred dollars or even a couple of thousand dollars or whatever to get particular advice can seem 
so expensive when, you know, every single dollar you're watching, every single dollar that you're putting into the business. But I can 100% say that you are going to make that money back as in in terms of the value. If you put a few thousand dollars into getting the right advice from the right people, you will 100% not regret it later down the track. Agree 100%. So yeah, bookkeeper, your branding, invest in that right from the word go because that then flows onto everything that you do. Now, you've kicked off 2020 with a bang, I think, with a whole new range. Um, What I love about this range personally is just going back to my nappy bag days and look, the struggle to actually find one for my husband to use because he was actually primarily the the stay-at-home dad. So um, yeah, I was the working one and he was with the kids and obviously uh, was the one carrying around the nappy bag a lot than I did. So what I love about this new range, I feel it's a little bit more unique. It absolutely is. Yeah, that was one of the um, reasons that I designed this range, the Active range, um, was to appeal to men just a little bit more. And obviously with the the shadow colour that we have, which is like the black and the charcoal, um, naturally it's obviously a bit more of a masculine colour. The other bags that we do make the leather, our original sort of um, Stella and Ari bags, in black, They, I think there's a lot of men that do like to use them, but obviously being a leather handbag style, it's not really something that they would necessarily buy for themselves, for instance, or you know, choose to carry around. So when I was um, designing Alpha Active, I did definitely have that at the top of my mind as to whether men were going to want to use it or not. Yep. Mm. Well, how long does it take from concept to launch? So sketching those out and then actually being able to launch the product live online? Oh, yeah, around almost a year. Wow. It was about 10 months. For Alpha Active, it took because I designed the bags primarily from scratch, and I don't have a an accessories design background per se. I don't. I do it in old, the old fashioned way where I sort of you know draw on pieces of paper and then find pictures of other you know clasps that I like and um, and I find pictures of the leather that I want to use and I kind of do these like mood boards and put it all together and then try and articulate it to my suppliers and hope to God that they actually understand me. Obviously, there is a language barrier because we do work with our Chinese manufacturers, but thankfully, they seem to understand me pretty well. Um, And for our factory, for instance, there were three rounds of sample changes. So we did the first sample. It came back sort of what I thought it it was going to look like, but definitely with a few issues. I made my changes. They produced new samples. I looked at them again. Still, I decided, you know, there were still sort of things that I wanted to change. And then finally, we got to a point where I was almost 100% happy with it. They sent me the third sample and there was a few sort of tweaks. And then we go to mass production. So I think in a maybe a larger scale business where there are proper designers and, you know, they use um, AutoCAD and all of those fancy programs online um, and they're not relying on fairly poor sketches, I would say. Um, the process, I would expect, would be a lot quicker. But I actually really enjoy that part of the business and I feel that because uh, the bag, it's not just a handbag, it needs to work from a, you know, as a pram bag. And, you know, obviously one of the things that is different about our um, products is that they are convertible. So there's a lot of things that need to work before you can actually launch a product and it's not just sort of, sketching up a handbag and having it made and going, yeah, that looks good, let's go. What has been the biggest challenge or sacrifice you've had to make to follow your dream? The biggest challenge has probably, for me, being 
being able to let go of parts of the business and let other people take those roles on themselves. Because when I started this, it was obviously, it was all me and, and obviously my very helpful husband. Uh, but I was doing everything from marketing to uh, product development to the finances to the dispatch to, you know, literally everything, all the customer service. Uh, and naturally, I took everything very personally because I built it from scratch. So being able to grow the business and bring other people on board to come and help, I think for me, that was probably one of the biggest challenges. It's been the biggest blessing because I absolutely love the team that we work with now. But for me as a personal challenge was being able to comfortably outsource and trust that things were going to be done to the same standard that I would have done them. Um, but it's really all about just making sure that you're you're teaching the people that you bring on the way that you like to do it and making sure that communication is the key, internal communication. If there's any questions, making sure that you're explaining things, you know, in detail so that nobody's um, nobody's assuming anything and, and things like that. And then eventually, uh, like now, I don't – it's not really a challenge for me now, um, but it certainly was in the beginning. Um, and in terms of taking things personally, do you still take things personally or there's a bit more of a, a buffer or a thick skin there? Oh, there's, there's definitely a buffer because there's other people, but I absolutely do take things personally. I mean, fortunately for us, we don't get a lot of negative feedback. Um, but, you know, if ever there was negative feedback, it certainly does hurt if somebody's not 100% positive about what you've created with your own blood, sweat and tears. But you do need to be um, a little bit thick-skinned because I think ultimately, and this works for any sort of industry, is that you're never going to be able to please every single person, but you can try your hardest to do a, a good job. You know, I, I get up in the morning and I go to work and I absolutely try my hardest to do a good job for everybody. Um, and just trying to remember that is probably is key, really. Mm. Now, what is next for Elf the Label? Oh, so many things. Uh, I've got lots of different products in the works. Um, which I'm hoping we'll be able to launch a few more by the end of the year, uh, which is really exciting. Um, one of the other things, like I said earlier, was looking to start dispatching um, or fulfilling from an East Coast location just so that we can make some savings on shipping and things and also the the time frame that it takes for a parcel to get to a customer Um from Perth, it can take anywhere up to 14 days to some locations, which I just think seems absolutely ludicrous. It's not like we're in Antarctica. But um, being able to get things to the customers quicker, uh, being able to obviously save on the shipping and just having a bit more of a solid process in terms of how we you know, dispatch is um, a really big one for me. Um, trying to connect with our customers on an even more sort of deeper level again, um, doing a few more uh, or, or things. We've got a few ideas in the works of doing some face-to-face stuff. Uh, like I said, looking into stockists and things like that. Um, so, yeah, lots of different things. Oh, exciting. Finally, before we go, the podcast is all about introducing our listeners to a friend of mine. Can you tell us about a friend that you have that we all need to know about? Yep. I think that you ought to speak to Steffi from Celia Love. Um, she is a lawyer turned candle maker uh, in Geelong. Um, and she's just got the most incredible candles in the entire world. And I say this because I found her business on Instagram, I don't know, probably a couple of years ago now. 
uh, and bought some candles from her, not knowing who she was. And then her branding and her entire brand just, just like it speaks to me. If you have a look at her on um, social media, you'll probably see that there are a lot of synergies between um, the colors that she uses and the colors that we use, for instance. Uh, and we just started chatting on Instagram and we really hit it off. And she's super funny and she's incredible. She worked as a lawyer um, for a long time and then she's now actually just now she's doing full time um, of her own business. But she is another one to watch. I think like she. You probably will have seen her candles in lots of different stores, but we've now, since um, I've stalked her on Instagram and become friends, we've actually met in person when I went over to Melbourne and yeah, we're just really good mates. And I think she's got a really lovely business story that I think that um, everybody would like to hear. Well, thank you again for being a guest on our podcast and yeah, I cannot wait to see what else Elf the Label brings out this year. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Bye. Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions, we'd like to celebrate a win. You can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine.